You're listening to the Look Right Naked podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bach. This is the podcast for men and women who want to look right naked without living in the gym. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. All right, Eric Bach, you're welcome to the Look Great Naked podcast. And today I am excited to bring you a phenomenal guest and friend of mine, Kim Shaper. Kim is a metabolic and hormone expert for women over 35. And Kim, I believe we first connected, you know, as we do in the fitness industry over, you know, enjoying each other's content. And then, of course, our love of golden retrievers, right? Yes. <laughs> so I tend to remember uh, people's dogs' names more than I do them. So I feel bad. That is, yeah, isn't that true? It is so true. I'm like, hey, Lauren, what's what's this person's name? Lauren's my wife. And yeah. she's like, I don't know, but their dog's name is Charlie. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I knew Charlie, but what is the human's name? Um, anyway, so actually I had to start, when I moved to Charleston, I started keeping a document on my phone of like notes of like people's names and their dog name. So I would get them down. But uh, anyway, that's me. I write down notes for absolutely everything helps my uh, crummy memory, but I love it. I love it. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you so much for making time here. And, you know, I'm excited to chat with you because you have such a wonderful expertise and a great story that I think a lot of people can connect with. And frankly, your M3 metabolic method and and having get to know, you know, some of the women in your coaching program from us, you know, collaborating a bit has been a great experience. And, And so what I would like to do is really talk about sustainable weight loss for women. And he done a few popular topics and things that really don't get enough attention to such as, you know, problems with chronic low carb dieting, low calorie dieting, diet culture in women. And I think before we get there though, let's dig into your story. How did, how did you arrive here and how did you become a coach with such a profound metabolic method that helps so many people? You're so sweet. Thanks. And thanks so much for having me. It's such a joy. You're awesome. And so, yeah, I'll keep mine short and sweet because I want to be able to help all of your audience. But basically, gosh, um, back in high school, I was already really active. I did sports and everything. I never really had issues with food ever. And it wasn't until I went off to college and I came back my freshman year and I gained like the traditional freshman 15, right? And so my yeah. mom said, hey, you know, there's this local trainer. Why don't we go train with him? Because um, I know that you're not feeling super confident in your body. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I'd never lifted weights before. I ran cross country and I would lift those purple five pound dumbbells after the run. And that was it. So like trying to understand anything aside from tricep kickbacks was about all I had when it came to uh weights. So um, I go and I start working out with this guy and he was great. He was, you know, total meathead, maybe five foot four. uh, (laughs) He was hilarious. But, um, you know, I I started down this whole path of lifting really heavy. I started feeling great. He put me on a super strict diet and I had never dieted in my entire life. Like in high school, I would literally live off these cafeteria chocolate chip cookies that were full of lard. I mean, they probably weighed pounds a piece, but they're the best. And so never had issues with food. He was like, all right, I'm giving you five foods you can choose from. So it was basically, you know, the bodybuilder stuff, like, you know, sweet potatoes, chicken, flaxseed, whatever. So tilapia, can't forget the tilapia. No, no, tilapia, God, tell me about it. But um, yeah, so I followed his diet pretty religiously over the summer before I went back to school for sophomore year. And I, my body responded super well, just because I, again, I'd never dieted before. And then I noticed I started having massive cravings for like pizza and chips and just wanting to binge. And that was all new for me. I'd never really had issues with food, as I mentioned prior. So like binging and having these cravings were very unfamiliar to me. So I remember I started going to Pizza Hut and getting the, the deep dish pizza and I would eat the entire thing and then I would want more. 
or I would allow myself to have certain foods on certain days. And then I would binge again and restrict. So I just found myself in this vicious cycle and I would go in the gym on Monday and he would say, all right, Kim, I know you cheated. What'd you eat? You've gained weight. You look swollen. And so it was just this like constant negative feedback loop. And it, 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 I don't, it really destroyed my self-esteem. Um, I ended up yeah. going off to college and I, I took that five food ingredient list with me. Like it was my Bible. I had it in my back pocket essentially. And I dated some real douchebags pretty much most of my life. Um, but in college, forced. <laughs> and so my stuff with eating and, and bad relationships kind of went hand in hand. And so it was almost like this double abuse where I was abusing my body, but I was also kind of getting verbally, emotionally, physically abused by these men. And it was, it was just an odd time for me. I was trying to figure myself out. And um, my parents, my, my, I was in a sorority at University of Alabama. My parents came down. People had called my parents I guess, cause I had lost so much weight and they came down and they are like, you're coming home with me. And so they took me home and, um, I was defiant. I ended up getting down about 75 pounds. And for me, I hold a, a decent amount of money. My like, um, just for number purposes is around like 130, 135. So 75 was very small. And, uh, that was around the age of 19. I went to treatment. I was in and out of treatment centers for eating disorders, depression, anxiety till the age of 32. I'm 44 now. And so it was just, if it wasn't anorexia, it was bulimia. I was obese. I was doing fitness shows, competitive cycling, like every single thing you can imagine to try and fulfill this void. And now I know where that void was coming from. But at the time I was so lost and it was brutal. I don't wish it upon anybody. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I, that's so common in the fitness industry where there's a void that people look to fill with fitness, yeah. you know, and every decision that people make generally has a cause. There's a cause that leads to every decision. And Fitness in many ways can be a very powerful vehicle sure. that can be incredibly impactful. Obviously, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do and, and we love it. Mm -hmm. However, you know, without some foresight and without guidance with that process, if we're looking to fulfill the potential pain, mm -hmm. to fill a void that we're not truly aware of, mm -hmm. there can be some definite downsides. You know, like the classic, the classic male example is mm -hmm. building up muscle, building up this external armor you know, to help this, you know, little kid inside who's insecure and build all these components. And then you see, you know, toxically aggressive men who, you know, nonstop. I mean, hey, we all know the classic kind of gym bro type of uh, <laughs> type of personality. And of course, yeah, of course. Right. And, and so there's so many layers that lead people down the, the path of fitness. And in many cases, when we're trying to fill a void and it's a stress response, it can take us places that we don't necessarily want to go. And I think one important thing to touch on here is diet culture, fitness culture around women, because there's so many external stressors already around women. You know, I think about this every day. I've got a three-year-old daughter, you know, mm -hmm. and the imagery and stuff like that is often surrounded or that they're always surrounded by in what type of impact that that can have. And mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about that. Like, how do you feel that the overall culture around fitness and women kind of push you in this direction where you ran into some struggles? Yeah. You know, Eric, I think as of today, present day, I feel like it's very polarized. It's either, you know, body positivity, eat whatever you want. Don't worry about it. And then the other side is no, you have to count every calorie. You have to be super rigid and hardcore. So prior to when I was in college, like social media, I mean, I think literally MySpace just came out. So it's no not doubt. the way it is today, you know? And uh, so back then I didn't really have much to compare other than 
my sorority sisters around me or, you know, other people my age who were dieting and, and so forth. But I think in, in terms of social media, you know, you probably think as well, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? So you see a lot of women who are super, super lean and maintain this low body fat. And, you know, the reality is, is they prep for that for a shoot. They can hold that for a minimal amount of time. People don't realize that that's a year, it's not a year round performance. And, you know, to be quite candid, a lot of those women that like appear, you know, great or super healthy, they, they come to me or other people with major hormonal and metabolic issues just from constantly dieting. So it's tough. I think, um, I think there's a middle ground. I think you can absolutely work towards proper health and vitality and feeling amazing and also doing that without a way of starving yourself. And, and if you want to feel more confident and you want to lose body fat, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's so villainized. I'll talk to women. They're like, okay, but I just, I feel bad, but I, I want to lose some weight. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You want that. Let's do it in a healthy manner. I think where people get caught up is they expect it to be this overnight fix. But the reality is, is like, as you know, you know, our metabolism, our body doesn't care. We want to be a certain size in five weeks. It, 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 it you know, it's all about yeah. survival. So yeah. yeah, definitely. I'm with you hundred percent. You know, the social media aspect is a huge, huge component. I like to think back that, yeah, I mean, MySpace was kind of kicking off when I was in high school. Facebook came up when I was in college yeah. and you know, when we grew up, it was like you would compare yourself against maybe people in your class mm-hmm. or in your school or in your local area. And now kids are growing up with this vertical of comparing against the top 0.001% yes. of people across billions and thinking that this is normal, this is usual. And it creates an insane amount of pressure and skewed expectations of, of what reality is actually like. Mm-hmm. And when you speak about you know the peaking that goes into staying in good shape, well, I hate to break it to you, but the vast majority of people who stay you know incredibly muscular and incredibly shredded year round for years on end are either enhanced or yeah. their health is on the decline very quickly. Yep. Um, I've been around long enough, you have as well, to see people in the fitness industry come and go mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, you know, the people that were always in completely photo shoot shredded shape, yeah. you know, now have serious metabolic and hormonal issues that that they're dealing with, right? And so it's important to understand that these things are peaking events and the methods that they use at the end are often peaking diets. And many times people conflate something that is a peaking protocol Mm -hmm. with something that they should do long-term. And that's what I see especially happen with women where they hop onto an aggressive diet, a low-calorie, low-carbohydrate diet that somebody might use for contest prep, right? Right. To get very quick results. Mm-hmm. And the idea is let's get you quick results. Let's get you some immediate buy into the process. Yeah. And once that happens, well, you're buying into whatever that method is and you might be very attached to it because yeah. you've got such good results. Right. And so like, that's the mindset behind the marketing of it. The issues that really happen is when people don't understand that you have to pivot to sustainable methods and you can take and choose different types of nutritional protocols in, mm-hmm. in training regimens and use them, but you have to use them at the right time. And as you mentioned previously, and I want to circle back to stress is if there's a ton of stress from everything else going on in your life, mm-hmm. you're in school, you've got a job, you've got a stressful relationship, whatever it is, that all hits the same hormonal systems. That all hits the same cortisol aspect that plays a huge role in overall stress, oh in God. thyroid function, in overall health, right? And so when we get out of whack with so many of those components, it just leads to such a slippery slope, especially with women, because 
hey, I mean, you've got more going on in the hormonal side than we do as men, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, gosh, you hit so many solid points there, hands down. And I do think women that go into fitness competitions or preps, I only did it a few times and I'm like, I got to get out of this, but they, they expect that they can maintain that level of leanness. And then it just totally sets them up for failure. And then there's all these attachments to it that, oh my gosh, I can't maintain that. And it creates all these disorders. But I mean, I love what you said about stress and I'm so big on that. And just about nervous system regulation, because as women, I feel like 90% of us or more are just in that chronic fight or flight. We can't settle down. We can't relax. We can't be, we always have to do, do, do. I feel like a lot of us still kind of live in that like heavy masculine energy where we have to constantly prove ourselves or put ourselves last and take care of everybody else. And, you know, I'll often use this analogy of like a rubber band. And so, you know, with a rubber band, if it's around your thumbs and you're gently tugging, there's a little bit of tension, right? So maybe you have a hard workout. There's a little tension. Maybe you, you know, have a crappy night's sleep. So there's a little more tension. But over time, instead of it kind of relaxing and getting back to its normal state, it, you're just adding more and more and more tension before it snaps. And so I have several women that are like so burned out, so fatigued, they are just an utter burnout because they've just allowed their rubber band to snap. And so, um, you know, I don't know about you, but a lot of the women, they don't start realizing there's an issue until they've realized what they're doing before isn't working. They will over caffeinate. They don't care about brain fog. They don't care if they're not sleeping, but the minute they start packing on weight and they can't get rid of it and doing the previous modalities, they, they freak out. And so it's about really changing the narrative and the perspective that, all right, number one, you're not 20 anymore and you've dieted most of your life. And this isn't just a quick fix. Your body has to feel a sense of safety. Definitely. That's such a huge component. Your body has to feel a sense of safety. And I see this, yeah, again, with the women that I work with as well, they're pushing hard in so many ways, right? They're wearing multiple hats. They, yeah. they need to be the parent. They're also primarily times a, a provider. They've got a professional career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they might have, you know, stress again from previous relationships and all these different aspects. And then you pile on 20 years of, of chaotic dieting and, mm -hmm. and the way that fitness is marketed towards women in an impractical sense. And then changing hormone levels that naturally happen with age and voila, you have this perfect storm where expectations are completely skewed on one side yes. and the reality of what needs to change is on the complete polar opposite side. Yeah. And so when you're working with women and you're talking with somebody who's all of a sudden this weight isn't coming off anymore, mm -hmm. what is the first thing that you focus on? I mean, honestly, just like restoration and restorative methods. So quite candidly, you know, I think it's... I've had my own journey with it, so I get it. And this isn't coming from a judgmental stance whatsoever, but a lot of women, they are so type A and they, they're so driven that they have a hard time realizing that less is more. And so they come in seven, six, seven days a week of training hard, getting up at 4.30 before they go and you know have their corporate job. And then they come home and they don't eat all day and they've been drinking caffeine. And so they're so revved up. And so they yep. don't understand that actually less is more and actually creating more space and more time for downtime and actually breathing and, and really tuning into your body is where it's at. They often feel like, well, I need to cut calories more. I need to do more. I need to do more. And so, as you know, it's above all else, it's more mindset than anything else. And we're so set in our ways and what we've done that it can be very challenging. But, but as you know, it's about getting some quick wins too. 
And I do believe that when we feel good, we chase that feeling. Of course, we don't want to be like injecting heroin because that feels good, but you know, <laughs> habits, right? So I, I do notice that like when women actually choose to settle down and settle in and incorporate walks more than runs or, you know, more, more like um, heavy lifting to a certain extent versus hit sessions all the time, they really start realizing, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And then in turn, we're able to kind of, you know, you know, I don't want to say fast forward the progress, but just get them in a state where their body's more relaxed and they're not holding on to all this extra fat because their body, again, doesn't feel a sense of safety. Yeah. You know, I, I reflect back to this, this quote, I think this is actually an old Navy SEAL maxim and it's slow is smooth, smooth is fast. We also used to use this when we would do speed training directly with athletes. And a lot of times what we have to do is slow people down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. take so things down a notch and let their body recuperate, right? Because if you're consistently, let's think about all the things that can really drive cortisol, drive stress levels pretty high, lack of sleep, stimulants, yep. stressful job, mm-hmm. wearing multiple hats at home, yep. right? And then we add in workouts, okay? Emotional Specifically, stress is huge too for women. Emotional is huge. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. Emotional is huge. So many women underestimate how important that is. Yeah, emotional stress. And then we pile in workouts, which are often very high intensity. Your heart rate's revved up into zone four, zone five. Um, a little bit of weight training for some women, not not the majority, although it's definitely getting better. Mm-hmm. And then we add in a steep caloric deficit. Yeah. So when you're feeling like it's tired and wired feeling nonstop mm-hmm. and you're only doing things that rev you up without the restorative work, it really just starts to create crumbles in the foundation of your overall metabolic health. Sure. And so, you know, we've been talking about the stress aspect. What happens when you have chronic low carb dieting with low calories and frankly, high intensity training? Yeah. What does that do to the overall body? Oh my gosh. Other than honestly making your brain feel like you're going crazy. I mean, when you were living off, and I'll just say this really quick before we dive into that. One thing I think is very common for a lot of women is we start off of the day having copious amounts of caffeine because we're tired getting up and then we can't calm down at night. So we're drinking a bottle of wine, like this negative feedback loop. And then if we actually learn to listen to our own natural body reserves. It's amazing how much better you feel. You're fueling yourself effectively. You're not so up and down with blood sugar and moods and feeling all dysregulated. Um, So I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there because I think if you can really try to um, minimize caffeine to the best of your ability, really try to cut back on the alcohol. Alcohol in of itself is a depressant. So it's there's little tweaks that you can make, even though it's hard, you're going to chase that good feeling again. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Let, let's, let's jump into that even more. You know, I think that's such a huge piece. People overlook caffeine and be like, oh, it's just coffee. Yeah. It's just a little pre-workout. Yep. And listen, I love coffee shops. Yep. Um, <laughs> I love pre-workout. I love all this yeah, stuff. We're entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, we just like to get fired up and, <laughs> and, and, right. Yeah. But you know, ultimately it's, crazy when you start pulling off of, of some of the stimulants, some of the caffeine, and you start to realize when you've been operating from this cortisol-driven environment, Yes, there's this tension mm-hmm. about your body, the way that you hold it, the way that you speak, where it doesn't allow your natural personality to come out. And frankly, a lot of times creativity is stifled because we're just in this cortisol-driven environment. Mm-hmm. And when it feels like, hey, you might be getting like executive function type stuff done, you're checking boxes, but you're not able to break through a glass ceiling personally, professionally, so many times it's because we're just ramped up in this cortisol driven environment and which is definitely exacerbated by you know, living on coffee, living yeah. on stimulants. Oh my gosh, Eric. It's so true. So, so true. And I'll be the first to admit that for a while, like I, I would see those quick dopamine hits like, oh my gosh, all right, give me the caffeine. Okay. Give me the sugar. Okay. Give me the, 
you know, so I was constantly grabbing, which is very easy for us to do. But if you actually, I have found that, you know, we, sometimes when we are running off chaos and a high stressful state response, sometimes I hate to say it, it's very addicting. And so for a while I was like, oh my gosh, chaos and anxiety and overwhelm and going hundred miles an hour. That's normal. That feels good. And the minute there's calm, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is boring. What's going on? So it's like a massive, like, like neuroplasticity shift in a sense that actually, you know what, you want to be more in that calm state. And that even though that chaos can feel exhilarating and addictive, you burn out. And so um, I really like what you said. And I, I do believe so much creativity comes from the spaces in between, from the moments of rest and restoration um, versus when you're in that chronic fight or flight, I've got to get stuff done. And people feel that energy. I see her and I think, gosh, I think about all the energy I've put out, which is being so revved up. No wonder why people get anxious. <laughs> so I, yeah. that. That's, I mean, it's so spot on. Yeah. It, it's such a big component. It really is. And again, it comes down to, you know, not just the way that you perform physically, but but mentally, and you do get addicted to it, especially if it's led to some positive outcomes personally and professionally before. But sometimes you got to step back and wonder, is this serving me anymore? Absolutely. Well, and I think too, yeah. Eric, I think people change when they're, when they quickly realize that what they're doing is causing more pain than changing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have that inflection point, right? Like when the cost, when the, the cost of, you know, staying the same costs more than a, the, whatever it is to change. Exactly. That's when people act. For sure. Unfortunately, it can be very difficult sometimes to zone back or take a step back and really find out where that point is. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. and you know, one other thing I'll say too, two things. Number one, I think for women, we are very emotional creatures, right? So I think when you are going, going, going and suppressing your emotions and feelings and kind of in this avoidance mode, some women have a really hard time slowing down and sitting with it and seeing what's coming up because it can feel very catastrophic and overwhelming when they're not used to feeling their stuff. Um, and then secondly, I, I did want to get back to the whole like metabolic stuff and often what happens when you are underfed and, you know, chronically overtraining. Um, if, is that cool? Can I touch on that? Yeah, please do. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, for females, I think, you know, in the beginning you might get this, this short, uh, you know, um, result, there might be a little quick win. You're like, Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm doing orange theory and I've noticed I've lost some weight. I'm feeling good, but then there's a point of no return. Right. So it's like, you quickly realize, Oh my gosh, I'm having to do more. I'm having to do more and I'm having to eat less to get any benefit. And then before you know it, you're, yep. you're so malnourished and so overtrained and the fear of eating any more, it's like, I'm going to gain weight. I don't want to gain weight. And the reality is you have so much down-regulated your thyroid. And so you have your T4 and T3 and T3 is like your racehorse. That is what gives you that kind of that metabolic powerhouse, but our T3 will instantly down-regulate, which makes it feel like we have a, you know, quote unquote, slow metabolism and we can't eat as much as we did. And it also um, jacks up your reverse T3, which is like your inflammation marker. And that is basically the brakes on your thyroid. So you have kind of a double whammy. And then you, you also get into all of your sex hormones like progesterone, testosterone, estrogen. And a lot of women don't realize that when you are going about training this way and depriving yourself and overtraining along with everything else that you mentioned, you are not pooping, your digestive system's way off. So you have to essentially think that you're constantly running from a lion and you're not going to sit there and go poop on the side when you're running from a lion. Right. So it's like, yeah, exactly. That's just the off. And then that's 
causing estrogen detoxification issues. And then, you know, it's like this whole vicious cycle and then your progesterone tank. So then you have anxiety and you can't sleep and you feel like you're retaining water and then your estrogen increases. So you're holding on to more fat and then the whole cortisol. So, I mean, there's so many negative side effects of chronically doing that over and over. Um, and I think, again, it's just so much that society is taught for whatever stupid reason, the 1200 calories and exercise more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of my clients said something recently, shout out Tim. And he was like, you know what? Like for me, it was decoupling the idea of exercise from caloric burn. Yep. It was a game changing thing. Right. And then he's like, um, he's like, do cardio for the benefits, not the burn. And like shifting that mindset for him was something that was huge. And, you know, when there's such a tendency to look at things through the lens of if I want to lose body fat, I need to burn more calories through exercise. And if I'm not, I need to burn more calories and I need to eat less because the overarching principle is you need to create a caloric deficit mm -hmm. to trigger weight loss. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very easy way to communicate weight loss on a simplistic level that doesn't take into account the highly individual differences and in what happens from people on a hormonal level. Because mm -hmm. while it's true, if you go through and look and you plug your numbers into some bullshit fucking calculator <laughs> online, and it's like, you need to be eating 1800 calories for maintenance, yeah. and you've been eating 1200 calories for the last 10 years, yeah. you're going to be like, no way. Yeah. And I would also say, no way, we're not going to bump you right up there. Yeah. And it really leaves you confused on where to go. And the reality is, yes, if you look at, for example, a, or a calorie calculator, mm -hmm. these things only take into account a very healthy metabolic function. And most people don't have any baseline blood work to, to judge it off of. And then they get so confused on where to begin. And then they just start the same vicious cycle mm -hmm. over and over again of trying to burn more calories, eat less, burn more calories and pretty soon can only take your calories so low mm -hmm. before your body really starts to fight you back. And this makes me think of a, a post I saw from you recently mm -hmm. and you covered four hormonal reasons that, that people tend to gain weight. Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. dig into that a little bit further? Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to remember which post that was, but yes, basically. So like th there's obviously more detailed components to this, but I would say like, I kind of view it as like uh, my ice method or whatever. I just, I don't know, this is coming to my, coming to my mind, but you have insulin resistance um, and often people don't realize that if they just get these, their, their blood work done and they don't understand why they have really high fasting glucose, you know, it's easy to have fasting glucose, especially if you're stressed, getting your blood work done and you're driving somewhere, it'll be elevated. But a lot of women don't realize that sometimes the high fasting glucose is from stress. So, you know, they, it's taking that into account as well, but insulin resistance is a big one. Um, I often see insulin resistance more prevalent in women who are um, going into menopause and post-menopause, um, just because your the, the insulin and cortisol is a bit different versus women in their 20s and 30s. I'll cover that in a second. Um, and then, you know, and the, the insulin issues, they tend to hold a bit more belly fat. They have more of like an apple-shaped body. Um, then for, uh, the next one is, um, high cortisol. So that one's very common in women as well, just because we're running around like crazy, trying to do all the things. And I often use the analogy of high cortisol and you kind of know you're in high cortisol if you've ever had a prednisone pack. So prednisone pack is to help with inflammation. So let's say you take it for bronchitis or, you know, you have a, something with your knee or spine or what have you. And I've, you know, I've noticed just myself and other people that take it, it's a cortisol pack and take it for a consecutive amount of days. And over time, you realize you're really edgy, you're moody, you're gaining weight, you're holding water, um, you're really hungry, 
Like you want to just like scrub the bathroom floor at two o'clock in the morning because you're, you know, so I, I kind of use that analogy as high cortisol. I mean, because it is a corticoid steroid. So you evidently are getting the same response. So that's very common with women who have high cortisol. But the problem with high cortisol is you can go into low cortisol. And in turn, that's no fun because you are dealing with depression and massive fatigue and all the things. Um, and then you also have estrogen dominance. So um, ice, uh, insulin resistance, uh, high cortisol, and then estrogen dominance. Estrogen dominant, dominance is actually pretty, pretty big. Uh, across the board, all of the labs that I see, hands down, it's suboptimal thyroid or low thyroid, and um, the estrogen progesterone ratios are off. So meaning the estrogen levels can be super high, but women's progesterone levels are tanked. So it doesn't matter really what your estrogen numbers are as it is the estrogen progesterone ratio. And I would say 97% of women have super low progesterone. And that's like, that's like nature Xanax. That's your calming hormone. That is your anti-anxiety hormone. It helps get you pregnant. Um, It helps you sleep. So, I mean, if you were revved up anxious, there could very well be a progesterone deficiency. So I see that across that. And that's the first hormone to tank under stress. So that's the biggest. Um, and then the last one would be low thyroid. And I see over and over again, women who are chronically under dieting, it's very apparent who's under eating because their free T3 is just tanked. So it's all about, you know, feeding them up, getting them adequate nutrients, feeling their thyroid. Um, and then yes, often sometimes the TSH is kind of suboptimal too. Um, but as you know, if you go to the doctor, the ranges are so broad. So a woman could be very symptomatic saying, I have really dry hair and skin and nails and I'm tired and I'm gaining weight, but it could fall really high on the thyroid scale. And, and the doctor's like, oh, no, you're fine. So it's, it's really, you know, the thyroid's so finicky and it's always going to change, but it's always dependent upon, yes, genetics, but also lifestyle, nutrition, um, stress, all of the things. Public service announcement. Everybody listening to this, get some blood work done. This can be one of the most game-changing things in the world. I see so many people, and you probably see this all the time as well, Kim, blow a shitload of money on supplements, on everything under the sun, without actually being able to make an informed decision with what's going on under the hood in their body. And so blood work is, you know, I mean, I do it like every six months because I'm like, hey, what's happening? What's new? What am I missing? Um, That's how we catch a, I mean, hey, that's how you can catch a lot of diseases, a lot of early stage things going on, Mm -hmm. um, not to mention optimizing hormonal function. You know, I think it's so important to have that. Totally agree. Oh my gosh, I love that you said that. Yes. And like, please, for the love of God, do not buy things that on Amazon that claim that it's this miraculous pill, or you're going to get jacked and gain 20 pounds of muscle in a week or whatever, any of that nonsense. The, the biggest is for me is the, the adrenal stuff and the, the adaptogens, because you could be super high cortisol and stress and take the wrong type of adaptogen. So please ladies, any of the adrenal stuff, do not take it until you have a bit of an understanding what's going on. Yeah. That stuff can lead you down a, a very slippery, slippery slope. Well, let's talk about some indicators that you could have some hormonal function off and a very popular you know, acronym here would be SHMEC. Yeah. 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 From Jay. Can you, yeah. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I actually apply like my, it's one like CARES model. So C-A-R-E-S model. Okay. So I just kind of use it as, it's basically an, uh, your own biofeedback. Like it, it's basically like you walking around every day scanning labs in your body. 
So C is for cravings. So how are your cravings? Are your cravings like super high? Are you craving lots of sugar, salt, high carbohydrate? To me, you're dealing with some stress issues, cortisol stuff. So check your cravings. If those are very apparent, there's some stuff going on. A is for absorption. So I look at, okay, how are you absorbing food? Are you digesting properly? You know, they say, oh, well, you are what you eat, but you're also, you are what you eat, what you absorb, what you digest. So, you know, pay attention. Are you dealing with lots of bloating, indigestion, your stomach extended? To me, those are signs of digestive issues, absorption issues. Um, R is for recovery. Are you actually taking time to rest and recover or are you chronically like putting your body in overdrive? Um, And you'll know if you're chronically sore, you're not recovering well, you just feel like crap. Um, E is for energy. How's your energy? Are you waking up exhausted and constantly relying on caffeine? Or are you waking up feeling good? You're like, okay, I got a good night's sleep. I'm solid. And S is for sleep. How's your sleep? Are you having insomnia? Um, Are you waking up in the middle of the night? Or do you feel like you have like a solid night's rest? But I mean, I guess Schmeck, I forget what that one is, the acronym, what exactly it is. Uh, stress, stress, hunger, mood, energy, cravings. Okay. So yeah. basically all the same, right? And so even, you know, something, something similar <clears throat> Yeah. in my coaching program, when I'm working with clients, mm-hmm. you know, we have a weekly check-in and I'm asking questions about things like stress, mm-hmm. sleep, digestion, cravings, mm-hmm. mood, you know, all of these other factors. And the reason that these are important, and I'm sure you have something similar is these give us an indication of how your body's responding to different things, right? Because you could be following, for example, a nutrition protocol and say you're down four pounds, you're feeling great. Well, you're feeling great when you look at the number on the scale, right? but you're like, man, I've got these cravings. I'm really anxious throughout the day. I'm tired and wired. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of cravings. Well, guess what? That's a pretty good indication that your body's fighting you a little bit. Yep. And when cortisol is elevated, when we're stressed, what type of decisions do we tend to make? Oh my gosh. Like yeah. Right. If you come home on a Friday night, you have no healthy food in the house mm-hmm. and you've got DoorDash right there, you're probably not going to stick to your meal plan. Right. So it's like when you can start to become consciously aware of these other signals that is going on and understand that your exercise and that your nutrition mm-hmm. plays a key role in how you regulate those factors, mm-hmm. it gives you the power to step back a little bit and take a proactive approach versus react to some of those cravings and some of these things that tend to pull us away from the goals that we really have when it comes to optimizing our health, optimizing our physique. So true. So true. And I think, you know, I think it's important to point out too, that willpower goes out the door when you're highly stressed and your cortisol is high, you could care less. All you want is food. And it's when, when that is coupled with being sedentary, it's a, it's a disaster because when you're stressed and jacked up, your body physiologically wants more food. It's like, give me more calories. And so what do we do? Let's say we get an email from HR and we're sitting at our desk and it says, please meet me in the office in two hours. What happens? Our, our cortisol goes up and then we're like wanting food and then we're still sitting there. So we're not like burning it off. And then that causes issues with insulin and what have you. But um, I do think, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty crazy what can happen when our, when our bodies are under stress. No doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Stress is the, uh, the insidious killer. It really is. Oh, and one thing now, I'll say really quick too, sorry, is that to really ask yourself when you are kind of in a calm state, are you, I use a halt method and my hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And when you're angry, you want crunch. So you'll want chips, crackers, anything crunchy. When you're lonely, you want something smooth, comforting, like warm oatmeal, something gooey and chocolatey. When you're lonely, kind of same thing. So 
you know, and also just considering all the highly palatable foods out there. It's just, it's that dopamine serotonin. We just want it all. So that can be triggersome too. Yeah, definitely. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swipe that one for me, Kim. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Love it. <laughs> well, let's, let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk about, let's talk about optimal training for women. Hey, you're always getting after it in the gym. Mm-hmm. You now tell us a little bit about your training and what you find to be optimal you know, for women, especially over 35 and, you know, perimenopause or menopausal. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, a, a couple complaints I get across the board is women like, oh my gosh, Kim, you know, I'm, I'm working out, I'm walking, I'm doing the things I'm eating well, but I have this like layer of fat I can't get rid of. And so often what happens is yes, our bodies are changing and yes, we have to make sure that we're well fed. But, you know, one of my, my favorite methods really is Number one, you have to listen to your body, but a, a lot of people out there are just, you know, in overdrive, they don't even like pay attention. So for me, I'm so big on walking. I think people underestimate the importance of walks and quite candidly, just daily movement. Um, and that can really be anything. I think, you know, research has even shown, you probably know too, but where, you know, even just like an hour workout and sitting the rest of the day is worse than moving throughout the course of the day. So no doubt. Yeah. So I'm really big on just getting up and moving, walking, um, great for cortisol, stress management, easy on the joints. I'm really big on, on, you know, pretty heavy strength training too. So heavy lifts. I noticed my body completely changed when I went from doing some barbell stuff, some, but mainly dumbbells, but doing tons of cardio, like my body held on to more weight than it did me doing more walks and lifting pretty heavy three times a week. Now, with that being said, because I'm getting older and my hormones are changing and, and we're just not as stress resilient as we are in our twenties and early thirties. So my body takes time to recover women in their forties and stuff. It's going to take more time to recover. So be kind to yourself. And don't feel like you have to go out and crush all this cardio. Um, I will say, you know, I have Hashimoto's and I'm working through some of that stuff. And that can sometimes delay my recovery as well. So what I will say for women um, is that, you know, really be intentional with your training. Be smart. Put in the work in the gym, but put in the work outside of the gym, too. And that does not mean doing lots and lots more exercise. It means really resting and fueling and eating a lot of food and really just getting your body into that kind of that parasympathetic relaxed state again. So that way you can show up at the gym and really crush it because, you know, to me, I believe in quality over quantity. Um, And so when you're putting in those really high quality workouts, it's a game changer, but I only lift now three times a week, but I'm very intentional about it. But if I'm really stressed or I have other things going on, I mainly just walk that week. I might lift, but I just noticed that I just don't recover as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the crucial balance, right? Like you, yeah, you have to put in work in the gym, but you have to balance it out with the recovery aspects. And when you're in constant overdrive and you've been stressed out for a long time, sometimes you got to pull off the throttle a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to emphasize the heavy weight training aspect for so many, so many reasons, but one of them being is mental. I think when you can start to focus a bit more on the way that you're executing things, the way that you're performing them, instead of, taking this approach of chasing the burn in all these other aspects, mm-hmm. it can become incredibly liberating. You know, I've seen so many, so many women have just this paradigm shift of having a more fulfilling approach to fitness yes. when they start to lift a little bit heavy because they're developing skills. They're starting to see like how their work is really helping them transform. And by extension, like when you really get everything else dialed in, like one of the big benefits here, you know, the way that most women are 
kind of marketed to for training is a ton of reps, yeah. a ton of volume and chasing that pump. Well, yeah. you know what that pump is called? It's, it's metabolic stress. And that's a primary mechanism or one of the primary mechanisms used to drive muscle growth. So you get these workouts that are marketed towards women like, hey, do you want to have long toned lean muscles when it's really chasing the metabolic stress, which gets more of a, a pump based workout. Whereas if you flip the script and you focus a little bit more on some heavy resistance training, well, the volume goes down, but you still can build lean muscle, but you're not going to you know, hold as much water weight, which is can be beneficial. And you can also improve myogenic tone, which is the tone that your muscles actually have when they're in that resting state. And I think that's what most people want. They want to have you know nice triceps, nice lines in their legs. And if you train heavy with the right training program, that's exactly what it will deliver. So like the entire script for the way that most women train and that they're marketed to is completely opposite of what would be optimal in so many cases. So many cases, so many cases. Yes. Eric keeps saying this. Yes. And, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like I think so many times women think, Oh, but I don't want to get bulky or I don't want to get big. I'll tell you just from my own personal experience and seeing so many of my clients change, you will not, you will. And I love what you said, Eric too, about how it bleeds into other areas of your life. I just got a text from a lady not too long ago and she said, Kim, I'm so excited because she has um, two boys who have cerebral palsy and they're in wheelchairs most of the time. And she said, for the first time, I was able to pick up the wheelchair and put it in my car. And she's like, I'm doing that specifically because I've been lifting weights or I'll hear, I was able to carry up 20 bags of groceries, you know, into my second flight of my apartment because I'm getting strong. I'm like, hell yeah, that's what, that is really what makes you feel amazing. That's that true. Yeah. Yeah, and you can never really pinpoint what it's going to be, but all of a sudden, when you start making this transformation with what your body's capable of doing, it's like you do something and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That was really cool. I couldn't do that. <laughs> yes. You know? So cool. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's say you've got a new client and yeah. we'll say they've kind of fallen into a lot of the same kind of vicious cycles of mm. high cortisol, stress, a ton of cardio, not, not a whole lot of weight training. If they do, it's very intense and they're chronically stressed out. Yeah. What would be some of the baseline foundational things that you would focus on? What would be, you know, <laughs> if you're giving me a checklist, how do I get out of this rut and I want to do it myself? What should I do? I love it. I love that question. Okay. Number one is you have to check your sleep. To me, sleep is so important and so underestimated. So you have got to be incredibly intentional and disciplined enough to go to bed at a decent time, turning off your cell phone, turning off your computer, creating a room that's cool and dark. Um, I, I, not everyone can afford it, but I'm obsessed with my bed jet. It's awesome. It's like cool air that blows in my bed. It's amazing. For the record, do not ever get a chili pad anyone because I got black mold because of it, because there was black mold all under my chili No. Pad. Oh yeah, no, I was super sick and I could not figure out, I'm like, why am I so sick? And so I got a bunch of testing done and then I had a practitioner who's like, you need to run black mold. I swear that's something. Sure enough, I took out my chili pad a month ago. And this has been going on for like six months. And it was covered all in black mold. So oh. it's because it's water. It's a water filtration system. It didn't matter how much I cleaned it. So anyways, don't get a chili pad if you want a cooling agent. Anyway, I'll know for that. But sleep, I think, is imperative. Because if you're sleeping in turn, that is going to help you wake up. It's going to give you the right energy. It's going to just help your mood across the board help with serotonin and melatonin. Um, so sleep is huge. You've got to get seven, eight hours of sleep a night. If you are not sleeping, some of my favorite go-tos are magnesium, L-theanine, passion flower. Um, sometimes ashwagandha can help, but you have to keep that in check because it can also keep you awake. Um, I love sleepy time tea. 
I think it's by like Sebrestrial Seasonings or something. You can find at any grocery store, Sleepy Time Tea. Create a ritual before bed. You have to do that. Um, also, instead of going for a run, I want you to go for a walk. Just go for a walk, get outside, get some sunlight on your face, walk around the grass barefoot, maybe just like get out and decompress, put your phone away. Um, obviously, depending on like their caloric needs and kind of where they're at, you know, slowly increasing some of their calories, I think is going to be a big one. Um, honestly, so much of it is like the opposite of what people do. So it's increasing calories a little bit, um, reducing the intensity of the workouts, uh, getting quality sleep, really trying to manage stress and remove the lowest hanging fruit. Like, okay, if you take a stress assessment, what's the lowest hanging fruit that you can remove to help take a little bit of the tension off? What I'll do is two things. And I, I really encourage this because it does work. So number one is create a, a sheet of one side is charges. One side is drains. So charges, I want you to write down every single thing that was a charge for the day. Okay, I ate a good breakfast. Okay, I had a great workout. I felt awesome. I slept eight hours last night. I had a great conversation with my partner, whatever that may be. Then drains are, I didn't sleep well. My kid was screaming and you know I got upset. And so all the drains. And then do that for like four or five days and you'll see the drains and charges. And it's a really, it's like energy management. So that's a big one to do. And then secondly, I have my clients do an active and a passive list because sometimes it's very easy to fall back in old habits. And so when you are in that mode of wanting to do something that might be self-destructive, whether that be, well, I'm stressed, I'm just going to drink alcohol, or I'm going to do this other stuff or overexercise, whatever it may be, I have them pull out their active and passive list. So active is when you're in a calm state, write down every single thing you can do active wise to just get the energy out. So one thing with women having high anxiety, people think, oh, well, I just need to sit in it and talk about it. No, you need to get out and move it. So, you know, if you have that anxiety, go do some sprints, go drive around, anything active. And then passive is you just need to calm your system. So that's a bubble bath. That's reading a book. That's, you know, doing something like that. So that way, you can go back and look at that sheet when you're revved up and you can just pick, you can pick and choose and it, it will get better. You just sometimes have to try a few. So I think those are great. I love that. I think so much of that is built around, again, it's not pushing harder, it's pulling back and building awareness. Yep. And when you can start to pull back and build awareness, you can make informed decisions that are proactive and not reactive to the immediate emotions of any point, right? Because that's when we tend to make mistakes. I think it's so, so powerful, Kim. Yes, it is. And behind anger, there's always a suppressed emotion. So anger's our umbrella emotion, but behind anger, there's always something else, whether it's guilt, shame, fear, resentment, um, vulnerability, whatever. So you have to like slow down to actually look behind it and see what's going on. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you have to be able to slow down to actually be able to tap into some of those those emotions and really start to fix the root causes, which obviously would be an entire another conversation. Yeah, but exactly. It's important to, to bring it up, right? Because it could resonate with somebody who's going through some work right now and mm -hmm. um, they decide to do so. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Yeah. Hey, where can we learn more about you? Sure. So I've got a couple different things. So it's just um, Instagram is Kim.Shaper. So it's K-I-M dot S-C-H-A-P-E-R. Um, Facebook is Kim Shaper. My uh, website is KimShaper.com. So yeah, I've got a bunch of freebies on there. I'll give out a bunch of free stuff. Um, yeah, come find me. I'd love to help you and 
help any of your clients out in any way I can support you. Awesome. Kim, thank you so much. Everyone, make sure that you take time and go follow Kim. She is an absolutely phenomenal coach and great resource, and she's a lot of fun. So make sure you do that. And gang, if you found value directly from this episode, hey, do us a favor. Take us both and share it directly on your favorite social media platform. That's what helps us keep this free of ads and all that spammy bullshit that I know you don't want. All right. Have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, before you go, I have a really cool gift for you. If you want to look great naked, and I'm assuming you do because you're listening to this podcast, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training to join over 1100 successful men and women in getting a step-by-step training to look great naked without living in the gym.